0: You're listening to the Coffee and Clergy Podcast. I'm Pastor Scott, and we're glad that you're joining us today. You can watch us live on YouTube or Facebook on Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central. And you can always give us a listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Without further ado, grab a cup of joe, find a comfy chair, and enjoy the conversation. Morning and welcome to King of Kings. I'm Pastor Doug Chinberg. I'm Pastor Scott Pitch. We're glad to have you with us yet again for our uh, coffee and clergy. Um, So we are excited that we are uh, joining that you are joining us today. This is the last uh, of a series of five lessons on a on a, a topic which we're calling dual citizenship. Where we talk about the two kingdoms, the two realms, and how God's authority is at work uh, in the the earth through the church and on and, which is on the right hand, and in the government which is the left, and so we've had uh, quite a discussion. And if you have already uh, followed along with this, we're glad to have you with us. If you've uh, if you're hopping in for the first time, just want to make you aware that we've recorded all of the episodes, um, and they are available on our Facebook and YouTube page, and you can also find them in an audio format uh, on wherever you get your podcast from. So you can, uh, you can find those by searching for Coffee and Clergy or going to our website, which is kokstl.org. Um, so should we begin in a prayer?
1: Uh, let's open with prayer.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll say a prayer for us. So please join us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day as we come to the conclusion of a a vibrant discussion on the the authority that you have in this world and how you exercise that authority. I pray, O God, that you would help us to see ourselves in the the roles that you have placed us, that we are to be those who are ruled, not those who are in control. We place that control in your hands and we trust in your promises and your love for us. Uh, Be with each person who's joining us today. Send your Holy Spirit into their hearts to open their eyes and their ears to see and to hear the things that you have in mind for them. We thank you, O God, for the blessing of your Son, Jesus, as we approach the uh, Christmas season. And we pray that you would keep our our hearts and our minds focused on Christ and his coming. And so we pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen. Very good. So Maybe we should review. Kind take of a moment just, to yeah, talk about through.
1: where we've been. We've talked about the two realms, as you mentioned. The, mm-hmm. uh, the right-hand kingdom is the work of God in the church. The left-hand kingdom is the work of God uh, in government and in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, we recognize that uh, God, kind of a little bit of a spoiler, that God has all authority and mm-hmm. he uses those two realms to carry out, uh, carry out his work. Um, We've also talked about vocation, Mm -hmm. and as God has called us, not only his children, but he's also placed us in this world and given us different responsibilities, and as we look at our life, we look at the vocations or the callings that God has called us to. He's always, um, uh, in a very practical sense, as God creates and sustains that faith in us, um, he... He works through us in the position He sets us in, and so if we're uh, a husband or a wife, that's a part of our calling. Uh, if we're children, that's a part of our calling. If we're pastors, that's a part of our calling. If we're whatever whatever place of employment God places us in, whatever
0: relationships that we have, yeah. um, is a part of the calling that we have from God. Yeah. So, in in effect, the vocations that we have as Christians or how Christians are called to interact with the world. And so a lot of our vocations are in the left-hand realm, in that realm of society and the the authority of the government. We are citizens of our nation. The third week, we entered into a discussion about uh, just government and what the expectations of good government should be um, by the people of God. And so we talked a little bit about what government is for, why um, unjust governments occur, and what uh, a just government looks like. But in addition to that, we also talked about Christian accountability and how individual Christians have a certain responsibility um, as citizens but also should have accountability or should expect accountability um, from our government as well. And so um, we, we look to the vocations God has called us into and we look towards his commands and we look towards the care that he has called us to have for our neighbor and we use all of that to build a A painting of what a a government should be and we should hold our governors to that to that accountable or that level of accountability while at the same time we have to acknowledge our own accountability and we are called to obey um, our our right authority and so um, and then last time we talked about uh, some some political issues uh, of the day uh, that we talk about a lot in our country, and not just that, we talked about what God's Word had to say about those issues. And yeah, so... we
1: looked at God's clear Word. There are times where God speaks very clearly about certain things in life. Uh, one, one issue that we talked about was the issue of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, life is sacred. It's created by God. It's created for His purposes um and so uh, for that reason he's given us for example the fifth commandment you shall not kill mm-hmm. and he wants us to see that life is sacred yeah. in every aspect from conception to the time of death natural mm-hmm. death and um and so that's a a, a part of uh, god's clear words but we also spoke about like other issues like poverty and oppression mm-hmm. and god has a word to speak um on those issues as well and so as we talked about um Poverty, we are still to love our neighbor in every aspect. Uh, We're to recognize the opportunities that we have uh, to love and care for them when they are in need. Mm -hmm. And uh, God gives us opportunities each and every day to do that. And that is also
0: part of who we are as people of God. Yeah. It's been quite a journey, and uh, we've had a lot to discuss, but um, we're kind of arriving here at the end of the discussion, and I think it's fitting that we're going to do so by discussing a topic which we call the object of our faith and hope. And so what we're talking about today is there's a lot of things that have been involved in this discussion. We've gone down a lot of avenues and roads, but what we want to end on And what we want the the Christian to be primarily focused on in regard to this discussion is on the only seat, source, and object of all authority, that which we look to for faith and hope. So we have a bit of a residual from last time, but I think it applies here as well. And it's a topic which which we'll discuss in terms of issues that God cares about, but also it helps us to orient our thinking on where we look for our faith and hope and that's a topic of religious liberty so let's talk about religious liberty for a second what do we mean when we when we talk about religious liberty maybe that's a good place to start and
1: there's uh, a couple of different places that we can look obviously God speaks about religion obviously Mm -hmm. and and yet our our government uh, documents also speak about religious freedom And so our, our, as we talk about authority, our ultimate authority is God himself. And so uh, God has some words to, to say about religious freedom.
0: So our, our first question then is, is what does God's word say about religious liberty? We have some examples in, in God's word, in his, in his scriptures that inform us of what God's impression is about religious liberty. So one of the first places you could say God wants a, the life of his people to um, to include a free practice of worship would be the incorporation of the third commandment right in yeah. his Ten Commandments is giving of the law um, He he commands us in the in the Lutheran Church the third commandment It's not just in the Lutheran Church, but in, in that tradition in that practice It's uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy and that's going to be one of the Ten Commandments regardless of whether it's four or three it's kind of up to your your faith tradition, but um, God wants us to remember the Sabbath day. He wants us to have a day which is reserved, which is set aside, uh, where we are free to practice our worship of him. That's yeah. a pleasing thing to him.
1: And the main, main part of that is to hear God's word, hear what he says, and then put it into practice. Yep. Um, I think of Luther's explanation of the third commandment. Um, he said we should fear and love God that we may not despise preaching and his word, but that we hold it sacred and that we gladly mm-hmm. hear yeah, learn. and learn it. Yep. And that's what, that's what God would have us do. Yep. And so we... Um, um, and we also recognize that not everybody... There are some folks that end up working on what we consider in the Christian traditions. The Sabbath day is Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are some who work on Sunday morning and don't may not have an opportunity uh, to come and worship on Sunday morning. But... Um, Uh, We thank the Lord that there are churches that have worship times other than Sunday morning. Uh, There are some that have Saturday night or other nights of the week. And so there are opportunities for those that work on Sunday morning to to worship. There's also been a blessing if we can find a a silver lining with the COVID virus. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many services who now not only stream their services, but they're recorded. People can watch them uh, at their own time and leisure
0: and uh, we'll have an opportunity to worship god yeah so you see this important aspect for the life of a of a a christian and really it's god's intent not just for christians but for all people to have this time where they can be removed from the hustle and bustle of life and we call it rest and it is rest but it's not doesn't mean sleeping in late it doesn't mean taking time you know to to work on yourself and and do your favorite hobbies. That's part of it, perhaps, but the bigger thing, I think, in God's eyes with with remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy is that keep something holy part. Reserve some time to step out of the busyness of life and focus on God's holiness, his, what he is doing to reflect on his word, to um, have con- spiritual conversations with your loved ones. Um, and so it's a practice that we're all called to do, and that is a part, I would say, of what um, what would be a, a, a thing in, that God is trying to preserve and uplift in the left-hand realm. He, he values uh, the time set aside for people to get out of the hustle and bustle of the day to focus on something bigger than themselves. I'm using that language kind of ambiguously because I don't want to get into right-hand realm language where I start talking about, you know, Jesus and stuff. That's all of course i'm a pastor i believe that's good for people but even outside of the the gospel message of jesus it's still beneficial in the left-hand realm for people to have that rest, rest. That sabbath rest mm-hmm. it's so important as a matter of fact pa- uh, pastor doug and i and many pastors um and, and priests around the world we in addition to uh, attending worship on Sunday, the same that all our people do. Many people, many pastors, we included, will take a day for ourselves, not on a Sunday, since we work on Sundays, um, to, to have that time of devotion, that time of rest and recuperation, because it is such a vital um, aspect to what God's plan is for our rhythm of, of life. So. Yeah, I
1: think of Jesus' words where he says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah. That's what he desires to give us, a, a, a peace. And we find that even God himself, uh, he was an example as he created the world in six days and then mm-hmm.
0: rested on the Sabbath yeah. day. And even Jesus himself, while he walked here on the earth, took, took rest for himself, Absolutely, took, took occasion to, to leave the public sector, to go away with his close personal disciples, to have moments and times with them alone in and thoughtful devotion, so it 's very good it 's very good and, and god 's word about religious liberty is that it would generally be positive for governments to have an institution of religious liberty. Um, there are many governments on earth that do not support that um, that freedom of of religion that that freedom to to express your your practice of worship um, freely, but we live in a country where um, we have that freedom and yeah so we can a, rejoice another
1: example quickly is when Jesus uh, met with the woman at the well mm. uh, in John chapter 4 and That's a great story. Uh, yeah. he talked about um, uh, he talked about worship yeah. and he talked about worshiping in spirit and in truth mm-hmm. and um, again to uh, that aspect of hearing God's Word and and uh, applying it to our
0: life yeah and, Good. Uh, so the next question we have is what responsibility do christians have for the preservation of religious liberty so maybe i should have included american christians here all christians to some degree have this responsibility but in america we have a government that has part of its institution its guiding document in the constitution this right of religious liberty so what responsibility do american christians have for preserving that right um, that religious liberty
1: and it's it's been a blessing obviously to our country to have that in the first amendment and to recognize that it's a part of um uh, that the government sees it as a part of the life of uh, the people that are citizens in this country Mm -hmm. and and so um as christians we have the responsibility to remind each other that it is in the first amendment Mm -hmm. uh, within our country Uh, as christians we encourage each other to um, to worship God in um, the way that God has established uh, that we allow and encourage people to express their faith and um, uh, in the ways that they have learned it and according to
0: God's Word yeah one of the the questions we have is we don't as Christians we we obviously believe in the message of, of the Christian faith and we, we see that there is no way to god except through the son right that there's no, no way to the the father there's no way to salvation except through jesus and yet we as as christian americans can still be advocates for the religious liberty of all people in our country with regard to the left-hand realm right in the right-hand realm we wouldn't say that you know it's good for it's everybody okay to worship <laughs> how you want but in yeah. the left-hand realm we should say that because there's there's a strong inclination and there always has been in the christian church that the christian church thrives in places where there is a a free marketplace of religious ideas we have the best the best thing in town when it when it comes to um, the best show in town if you will when it comes to what our faith has to offer because our faith is not based on simply the things that you do it's based on a personal god who who invests in our lives and so uh, christianity does very well when you lay it out with all of the other um, the other faith traditions in society, that being said, we have to be careful not to be uh, what, what's called syncretistic, or um, you know, to say all roads lead to God and that all all belief systems are equally valid. But yet, in terms of the left hand realm, in terms of um, the institution of government, we should say it's good for people to be able to express their religious freedoms. Absolutely, because we're included in that as well as everybody else. Yes, so.
1: and so. I- Again, a little more specifically, how should Christians, Christians in America use their religious liberty? You've talked about that a little bit. Um, again, we, we have uh, not only the right w- within our country, but we have the command of God uh, to worship him. And, um, and God has given us that command for a blessing and a purpose As his people and so um, uh, for a person who has a troubled soul it gives us the opportunity to confess our faith uh, to hear the forgiveness that Jesus gives us uh, to find our our rest our comfort and strength uh, in that forgiveness and then be reminded of the way that we should live as people of God yeah and um, so what a blessing we should also uh, encourage one another in their faith and also uh, because we live in this country where we can talk about our faith uh, we have uh, the right in our country and the privilege uh, uh, to encourage one another to become to know God um, as a Christian as a follower of Christ
0: yeah I think you're touching there on a very important distinction we have to make Christians should use the privileges that our that our society gives us not to bolster ourselves up right but we should think and primarily be focused on using what freedoms and and what space to operate we have to prop up others to prop up our neighbor and to honor god and so um i think that's some of the key ways we use our our freedom our religious liberty in the nation is not to kind of create a circle around us and say you can't interfere on my circle but rather we should say this circle can be a safe place where people who are persecuted in society can, can find some semblance of, of a, a space where they can express their belief in God as well. And even so.
1: Christians who have differing ideas, it gives us the opportunity to talk with Christians mm-hmm. of different, <laughs> different flavors, if you will, um, about what they believe and why they believe it, yeah. and it gives us the opportunity to... Uh, to discuss and
0: explore and uh, compare that with God's Word. I think another thing we can do too is, in America, since we do have this freedom to express ourselves according to the, the dictates of our conscience in, in in religious ways, we need to advocate for people who live in nations who don't have that freedom. Absolutely. There are many, There, I would say there's probably a quarter to a third, I don't have the exact numbers, of Christians living today who live in countries where their religion is not, able to be expressed freely. They don't have that religious liberty in the same way that we do in America. And so how are we as Christians in America using the freedom we have to speak out for those who can't speak for themselves? It's an important thing to, to also acknowledge. So, Absolutely. All right. Should we shift gears a little here? Okay. So we'll go from that discussion. Now we're going to step into this idea of where we put our ultimate hope and our ultimate faith. There are many people in our in our country who look to different sources um, uh, to to find meaning, to find purpose. To trust, and so there are people who trust in the government uh, to provide for their their general welfare. There are people who who rely on the people they close, have close relationships with. they lean on their spouses, they lean on their excuse me their parents or their children and we as as uh, Christians in America, we acknowledge that the ultimate source of all authority doesn't the buck doesn't stop at the president's office even though that's the the quote from i believe harry truman said that it the buck stops there it stops with god he's the one who has the ultimate authority over all things he has control over all events over all um, actions that occur here in this place and so Um, This is an important part to kind of let's shift gears and we're going to enter into a discussion on authority and where that authority uh, comes from.
1: And so a great question is, is where does God's authority come from? God, the father, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, where does his authority come from? Yeah. So um, one of the things you can say is that God the Father, he, an aspect of his being is that he has what we call omnipotence. And omnipotence is kind of the fancy way of saying that he's all-powerful. There's nothing that can occur against the will of God. He's all-powerful, and where he exerts his will, that will is done. Um, and so we we know this because the Bible tells us this. And so um, one of the one of the key verses here to to look at is Revelation 19. So I'm looking that up on my Bible on my phone. I invite you to pull out your Bible and look it up as well. Um, this is a discussion of the rejoicing in heaven and the marriage feast of the Lamb. And so um, the so the uh, the revelation uh, to John comes and he says these words as he narrates. He says, I heard a sound like the roar of a great multitude. Um, I'm actually going to read this in the King James Version because I actually like the way the King James Version expresses these verses. I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, For the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth, and so I like that imagery of God is seated upon His throne, reigning over all things omnipotently with all power. Nothing occurs in the kingdom of God that He is not ordained to occur. Nothing happens outside of His His will. So there's discussions to be had there. What about evil and things like that? And this is where you can have a an entire discussion about what what God has chosen to do with regard to his power. We have a God who is all-powerful, but we also acknowledge that that's not his only attribute. If his only yeah. attribute was all-power, then we would be programmed. You know, We'd be like robots, robots following yeah. the, the design that, that was put in us with no ability to influence or change anything around us outside of what, um, what God has has programmed us to do, and we kind, of, we kind of believe, and it's hard to express it very clearly, that, that God has, has designed us and put us into practice with something in mind, but because he's also an all-loving God, and an all-knowing um, God, in addition to being all-powerful, and an all-present God, that he also permits his creation to make choices for themselves, this is called freedom of the will. You know, we, there's a whole philosophical discussion within that, but we we know because of sin, our will has been bound to sin. We can only choose uh, to to sin against God, and so we have a God who loves us so much to give us the freedom to choose against Him, and that's why He sent His Son into the world. So um, He had to to give of Himself to sacrifice to transform um that back so that it it works again so that way we're not we're not an enemy of god anymore but rather we are uh sons and daughters of god so um that's just a a
1: a neat aspect of of christ coming into the world on the one hand there was nothing that we could do Mm -hmm. uh, to make ourselves uh, to bring ourselves into god's favor and so that's why jesus came into the world and and with his righteous life he came in our place he died in our place he took our sins upon himself so he has done everything necessary for Mm -hmm. our salvation and uh... so that's that's the gospel the good news is that christ has done everything necessary. and and when the holy spirit works on our hearts and we come to faith that's the expression that we're reborn we're mm-hmm. now born with faith we now understand who God is and what he's done uh, it changes our life so that we desire to live for him and his kingdom and everything in our life changes as we begin to live for him
0: and that's been God's plan Uh, since the fall. He's had this in mind to do. And so we acknowledge the the all-powerfulness of God, but we ask the question, like any power and authority, we say, where does it come from? When we talk about the authority of the government, uh, we ask the question, where does the power of the government come from? Well, if you were to ask Abraham Lincoln, he would say the power of the government is derived from the people, and practically speaking, sure. But we would say that the power of all governments inevitably doesn't, isn't, doesn't rest with the people, it goes back to God. And when you say, well, where does the power of the church um, lie? Does it lie in the the priests or the pope, or does it lie in the the uh, you know the uh, version of the Bible that you use? Well no the the authority of the of the, the church ultimately goes back to God. And so all authorities no matter how small or how grand that are earthly are Find their origin in God. And so you trace back all sources of authority um, or all all resulting authority. It goes back to its originating source, which is the God who created all things. And so if you ask the question, where does God's authority come from? Where does the Father's authority come from? Well, he made all authorities. So the one who has authority over all authorities is probably the one that, that you don't need to question about where his authority came from. Um, he has had the authority since the beginning of what we perceive as time because he created time. <laughs> and he will have authority forever. When we read in Revelation, um, when we read in Revelation nineteen six 6, that the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, this is nothing new and this will not expire. This has been God's um, chief attribute of omnipotence since the beginning and forevermore it will be true that God reigns all-powerful. Yeah.
1: And so, um, how does God use his, his power? Yeah. Um, um, and so he, we look at the world that he created. He's used his world, uh, his power and authority for creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, he uses his, his power and authority. He extends his power and authority to those who he's created. Uh, he extends his, uh, power and authority by giving life, um, life and health and and all things Mm -hmm. uh he gives his authority uh as he not only as he created this world but um as he gives us the ability to use the things of this world uh for his purposes
0: Mm -hmm. and you can include things like his word tells us that that the the dictates of his authority too so we follow that And, and so you get this uh this kind of idea that uh that you have in, in worldly terms, there's this expression that, that uh, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? And so what is it then when we look at God and we see he's not just absolute power, he's the source and the, 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 the um, seed of all authority. So what does that author- end up looking like? Well, this is where it's important to acknowledge God's omnibenevolence as well right that he is a an all-good just God. he's just he's merciful he loves as a father does if God had not those attributes in addition to his um, his omnipotence then he would not be a friend he would be the, the most severe enemy we could possibly imagine because someone who has absolute power would be potentially absolutely corrupt and a tyrant and a tyrant and so we have a a God who although he possesses all of the the fullness of the attribute of authority and power chooses to utilize that power for the benefit of his creatures which is an unfounded thing that you don't see happening very often in the world you don't see very many um, engineers or crafters who give up their life for the sake of their design and so um, that's where we see God as the ultimate um, creator, the ultimate being who creates out of His love, who sustains out of His love, who rules with absolute authority in mercy as well. And so,
1: and so, uh, why does God use His all-powerfulness? Uh, why can that cause some people to be afraid and some people
0: to have peace? Yeah, so we mentioned a little bit, if God is a tyrant, if he's all-powerful, he's the worst enemy you could possibly have, right? There, right. There's, there's uh, a line in, I use it probably too much, but I love it. It's from uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis is writing. And it's the Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are talking to Lucy about Aslan, and they've never seen Aslan before, they don't know what form Maslan is or anything, they've never heard of him. And they hear that he's a lion, and Lucy goes, oh no, is he, um, is he quite tame, expecting, as they're going to meet him, it'd or be hoping. scary. <laughs> yeah. it'd, it'd be quite scary to meet a lion, right? Yeah. To look a lion face to face, that's terrifying, right? And the beavers say, oh no, he's not tame, but he's good. And so it's this idea that God, at the same time of being this just powerful, all-encompassing being that could destroy you instantaneously with a thought in his mind, at the same time is good and loves. and. And is on your side, and so in a, in in that side of things, if you if you have God on your side, that's where we get the idea of God is with us. Who can be against us, right? If the forces of God are at work for you, what forces could there possibly be in all the universe that could act against you?
1: And although Nothing. the world although the world can end our physical life, it can't touch our soul. Yep. Can't touch that, that. That belongs to God. That belongs to God. Yep. And so uh, while if people don't know God don't love God don't care about God they should fear him be afraid because he can destroy both body and soul and hell yeah. um, but for those who do believe he gives us uh, an even greater peace yeah. and it's that peace that passes understanding we know his heart is one of love uh, and one of kindness one of graciousness and uh, he extends that to us because of his love And he desires to know us, to have a relationship with us, and for us to live with him and rule with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a uh, tremendous thought and blessing that that is, to to live with God
0: in eternity. And this is the God that that is the foundation for all of these things we've been talking about, the the authority in the right-hand realm of the church. It's all God's doing, the authority of the left-hand in the state. It's all God undergirding it all. And so we know that God is acting through his power for our benefit. And we can praise him for that.
1: All right. We so, move on to the next one. so we could go on to talk about Jesus' authority. Yeah, Where so, does Jesus' authority come from? Yeah,
0: so we'll talk about how, how the Son has authority too, right? We, the Father has authority um, and that is inherent to his His being the son has authority and there's this is a good discussion so one of the one of the things the last thing in fact that Jesus has to say to his disciples before he ascends into heaven is he says all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me and that's a big statement man i'm telling you like that you don't just come into a room and say i'm in control of everything that exists right you you've, you got to earn that title and jesus certainly has and so he establishes his authority in, in how it is complete, right? We know when Jesus walked the earth, he had authority. How do we know that? Well, he drove out demons. You know, he preached and proclaimed the good news of, he performed miracles. Jesus Still had storms. Yeah, Jesus had authority. Um, but you could say perhaps he didn't have all authority on heaven and on earth because he he allowed himself to be um, to be you could say, diminished in some sense by taking on our humanity. Our humanity. He humbled himself to be born of man. And so on the last day, or sorry, on the last day too, but on the day, his last day here on earth, but when he ascended, he said, okay, I've accomplished everything for which God has sent me. So therefore, all authority on heaven and in, and in the earth has been given to me now. And
1: what can be a little bit confusing is as we talk about God, God is... At all at the same time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, triune. and
0: you
1: triune God, mm-hmm. and for some people that it's um, it's hard to understand, and the reality is is that it is hard to understand yeah. it is a mystery yeah. um, how God is three persons and yet only one God and it's it, but it 's interesting also as as the Bible tells us about the relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. none is greater than the other. Um, none is more God than the other Um, and and yet they submit to one another they work with one another Mm -hmm. they are in complete unity with one another Um, and yet there is one God and yet at the same time three persons Mm -hmm. and so uh, in that relationship that triune relationship uh, the father has given all authority to Jesus. Uh, Jesus demonstrated that while he was here on earth, mm-hmm. uh, in so many different ways. And, um, um so, uh, a- another question might be, how does Jesus use that authority that has been given to him?
0: Yeah. Um, well, he uses his authority for for our good, the same way that God the Father does, and the same characteristic. And yet, the Father, the Son, and as we'll talk about, the Holy Spirit, each have their own unique areas of operation. They have their their own unique work that they do. And so, the the persons of the Trinity have. Uh, we we often simplify it by saying Father Creator, Son Redeemer, Spirit Sanctifier. But when you look at how the authority of jesus takes place it it, even before his resurrection his authority is over the the powers of the earth and and of hell he has absolute authority over um over life and death itself he can raise people up from the dead he can cure the sick and 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 the the blind and the and the deaf he can um, he has mastery over, over biology, you could say. He's got mastery over the seas and the winds. He can tell them to be still and they obey him. And so you see that uh, even in his, his, his kind of pre, um, pre-glorified sense, he still has massive authority. And then in his death, he claims victory. Absolute death. victory over death and sin and Satan. And in his resurrection, he even claims victory over the lives which we which we as his people have. And so um, you have just a wonderful example of Jesus' authority just intensifying and growing all for our good. And the final kind of image that we have of Jesus' authority takes place later when they talk about him in the epistles and in Revelation, about Jesus' authority. Being uh, him being seat, seated in the the mercy seat as the judge over all the living and the dead, God has given God the Father has given Jesus this this powerful throne to sit upon to be the one who determines who goes to live with God forever and who is punished forever. And so yeah. that's authority, man, to decide the ultimate fate of every person who's ever lived. That's, there's never been a person ever, and there never will be, who has that much authority yeah. in this world. And I, there's one
1: pastor that, that talks about when we stand before um, Christ on the, uh, on the last day in that time of judgment, and uh, a, a simple question is, what, what did you do with my life? In mm-hmm. um, uh, the sense is, did you uh, believe it? Did you trust in it? Uh, did you disregard it? Did you toss it to the side? Um, now that that question will determine our eternal destiny. Mm-hmm. What did you do with with the life of the son uh, as it was presented in the world? Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's it's also wonderful to note that the Holy Spirit is at work to um, uh, to bring us to faith and getting a little ahead of ourselves, yeah. but, uh, mm-hmm. um, but that, that is constantly, the, God is constantly at work all around us yep. um, as we talk about the authority um, and that his position as our uh, final judge. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and the last question here on this topic of the authority of the Son is What does Jesus, uh, why does Jesus' authority give us hope? Uh-huh. So why does his sitting on the mercy seat in judgment over us and why does his dominion over sin Satan and death why does that give us a hope that that uh, we can take with us throughout life
1: because we know that we can't do anything with our sin uh, we are hopeless within ourselves we can't do anything to escape death in the grave um, we can't do anything to get out of Satan's clutches on our own but the hope that we have is that Christ in his power and authority um, has destroyed all of those strongholds. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's destroyed sin. He's destroyed death. He's destroyed Satan. And by giving us faith, um, he invites us to be a
0: part of his kingdom and to join him in eternity. Mm -hmm. It's one of the, it's, it's one of those kind of challenging things to to discuss is because if you say, well, Jesus has defeated sin, Satan and death, why do I still sin? Why is Satan still tempting me? And why am I still going to die? And so when we when we look at the future of our life just as it's been in the past death will be a part of our life. We've seen people go and we know that we will one day. Sin has always been a part of our life. We have been sinful since the day we were born, indeed since the day our parents conceived us. And and we know that we will continue to sin. And then uh Satan will has been there tempting us since the day we were born and will continue to be. So so how does Jesus' victory over those things give us hope? It gives us hope because nothing else can. Nothing else within our power, the powers of the earth, can overcome those three obstacles. And Jesus has in and but this is where we talk about yes, he has now accomplished the victory, but it is not in its fullness yet. Since Satan and death have no power to determine how we live today because of what jesus has done and our ultimate destiny no longer is in chains and in slavery to sin satan and death our ultimate destiny is free of all three of those things
1: so somehow in the wisdom
0: of god Mm -hmm.
1: uh, god has asked us to be his agents here on earth Mm -hmm. and while christ has won the final victory he has asked us with the time that we have on this earth uh, as we live out our faith to To follow him mm-hmm. and to do his work uh, a part of which is to uh, encourage others in their faith and their relationship with God and it is to remind them of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ yep. that he is the, the victor over our greatest enemies and uh, sometimes that can be very frustrating and challenging and yet God reminds us again that the ultimate victory has already been won mm-hmm. And it is through this process that God in his wisdom um, uh, determines what it, what is in the hearts of people, mm-hmm. whether they want him to be the king in their life and in the
0: world and in the universe uh, or not. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Let's move on to the third okay. person in the Trinity. We can't leave him out because the Holy Spirit um, is, is a powerful uh work of a, as a powerful force for the authority in this world um, and in, in the world to come within the lives of his people. And so um, let's talk about the authority of the Holy Spirit. We talked about how God the Father is a creator, a sustainer, how Jesus is this um, one whom authority has been vested because of his uh, accomplishment of the task that God has given him and how he overcomes those obstacles. And now we talk about the Holy Spirit as uh, sanctifier, as uh, gift giver. And so um, let's ask the question where does the Holy Spirit's authority come from?
1: Okay, we talk about that. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son.
0: What does that mean? <laughs>
1: uh, and that it, it proceeds, his authority is given through them. And, mm-hmm. and again, it is, um, it is a unified authority. And they work in complete uh, harmony with one another mm-hmm. uh, as they carry on the work that, that each does. And uh, so it proceeds from the Father and the Son um, uh, to do a, a number of different kinds. He does a number of different kinds
0: of work mm-hmm. um, as he is at work in our lives. Yeah. So um, Jesus, when he is in his last days here on the earth, is talking to the disciples and telling them that he will very soon be arrested and killed and on the third day rise, and they don't get it. But to give them some comfort, he guarantees them that he he says, I will send my helper. So we know the authority of the Holy Spirit in some sense that's beyond the reason of of man um, stems from or finds its origination within the Father and the Son. Um, So the Holy Spirit uh, does not act um, independently. really independently or even of his own design. He acts in accordance with the will of the Father and of the Son. And he works uh, w- w- the opposite way. When we uh, communicate with the Father and the Son, the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit um, speaks with groanings that words can't express. So he kind of is this, this force for, um, for finding a connection between the divine and the common this fleshly sort of that's why the Holy Spirit we say dwells within us and the Holy Spirit um, moves within the church and the people um, of God and the body of Christ and so and it, um, it, it
1: is hard to explain Jesus even used the analogy you know you, you can't see where the wind blows but you can see that it moves the the branches mm-hmm. and you you can tell that it's there but you just you can't see where it comes from or where it goes yep. and and the same is with the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. um, So on the one hand, he is independent from us doing his own work, but he's never independent from
0: from God or or from Jesus. Yeah, so so then uh, how does the Holy Spirit use his authority? Well... um, the the chief responsibility i guess you could say of the holy spirit or one of the chief ones is to make things holy he's the holy spirit because whatever he indwells in or interacts with it he makes it holy and so when we baptize a child the holy spirit enters into them and we would say that person is holy that process of being made holy is the process what we which we call sanctification and so we have this sanctification of the Holy Spirit as a big part of his responsibility. Another part where he interacts often is in the forgiveness of sins. Within his work through us as the people of God, within his work through baptism, within his work in the uh, Holy Sacrament, the Holy, the Holy Spirit forgives sins. And so we know that's a big part of his, his role. Yeah. And then the, another one is the, the producing of faith. Um, within us like a seed planted in in God's people it grows and the the fertilizer which helps it to grow is the Holy Spirit and so we know and that so that's he at
1: work. he's the one that that calls
0: us to faith
1: he is the one that keeps us in the faith he is the one that gathers us together as the people of God in the church yep. and um, and he is constantly striving within us uh, not just to, to give us faith, but to keep us in that faith. And and for that, we we thank and praise God because mm-hmm. our sinful nature is constantly at work to, uh, to cause us to do our own thing instead of God's thing.
0: Yep. And so we see um, the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together the, to be the authority of God, which is how... Um, God exercises his authority in this world. We see the Father sustaining and creating life and and keeping all things in his care. We see the Son redeeming this world from its treachery and its sinfulness to bring it back to the Father. We see the Holy Spirit moving within um, to to enlighten and um, to sanctify us and to bring faith within us. And so we see all of this at play You especially see it in the right-hand realm, right, at work in the church, but we would acknowledge that the authority of God in these senses, it works full-blown in the left-hand kingdom as well. As we as Christians live out our vocations in the left-hand realm, you better believe the Holy Spirit is at work. You better believe the Son is seeking to make disciples and to help people grow in their discipleship. Of God through those processes and we certainly know that God is working to sustain and create uh, to create uh, all sorts of things in the left-hand realm as well.
1: Yeah, okay. He continues to work to keep order and peace and bring justice as, as God does His work. Yeah,
0: so it's important that we we, we break it into the, the Trinity, but then we also bring that Trinity uh, and the discussion of that back into unity to see how God is at work in both realms. So now we'll move on to the very last topic we'll discuss, and we'll try and get through this relatively quickly, but... Um, the idea that right now we live in this world with two realms, but that the two realms is actually kind of a temporary thing. It's here today because it's necessary today, because our world is a sinful place. But... Will the two realms be necessary on the last day when sin is eradicated?
1: Yeah, when Christ uh, returns, He said that He would create a new heaven and a new earth, and we understand that those would be one, mm-hmm. and that God would live and dwell among us, and He would rule both in in or He would rule in all things in one kingdom. Yep. And so uh, we look forward to that day when Christ will come again and uh, create that new heaven and that new earth, recognizing that we'll be king over uh, all things, and uh, a time to celebrate, a time to rejoice, um, that we will be reigning with him. I mean, he will reign, but he invites us to reign with him, and... There's, uh, there's, while there's much we don't know, uh, there is plenty that God has revealed to us about what is going to
0: happen on that last day. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a a Bible verse I have included here. I think it's a beautiful expression of what things will kind of look like uh, in terms of our interaction with with authority on that last day. And so um, it's from Philippians chapter 2 which uh, Philippians 2 is kind of a famous early church creed, is what we kind of think it is. It's an expression of... The, it's one of the very first expressions of, uh, of a belief in the, um, the life-saving work and the divinity of Jesus. And so I'm just going to read a section of it, but I especially want you to pay attention to uh, one part here. So, um, so uh, it's talking about uh, having the mind of Christ um, who, being in form being in the form of God, thought it uh, not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him the name. That is above every name. And this is the part that we pay attention to. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so that image gives us a picture of what we will look to as the authority in our life on the last day. The the government will be wiped away. There will be no more force of arms and armies. There will be no more president wielding the force of the sword. There will be no more church uh, in, in the sense that we see it today that, that has um, has the role of advancing or promoting the mission of God. All of these things in their current state will be wiped away and all that will be left is Jesus Christ seated on the throne and every knee bowing and every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is lord and that word lord is used with emphasis there because he is the the master the king the the one who in whom all authority has been given as he said in matthew
1: think of the images that are described in the book of revelation where it talks about jesus will have the the sashes across his chest that says king of kings and lord of lords Mm -hmm. and and that's who he will be and and uh, uh, again we'll bow before him recognizing who he is, the the power and authority that he has, and and we willingly obey and follow him.
0: Yeah, and that image has a very special um, meaning for us here. We are pastors at King of Kings Lutheran Church, and the congregation here at King of Kings the i think that's an important thing we need to focus on is we live in a world where we we believe that this is the ultimate destiny for all of us that jesus christ is king of kings and lord of lords he's the one who we have absolute trust in him because he has all authority for good for us so,
1: so what, about those, uh, what about the destiny of those who refuse to believe that Jesus is the King of kings or the Lord of lords?
0: Well, the, the Bible speaks pretty clearly there, too, that uh, Jesus will, will say, um, I didn't know you, and he will separate the sheep and the goats. He will separate, separate those who have, who have affirmed his, his, uh, his mastery, his lordship over them, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, and he will, he will bring us into the, the uh, goodness of the presence of God, while those who do not um, know, and I say know in kind of italics, who, who do not claim Jesus as Lord, who do not believe in him, um, will, be, will be turned away, because the way is narrow to the Father, and it's through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's an unfortunate reality that, that many in this world will have to face. And what that does is it puts a little juice in the tanks. hopefully it does, of Christians to, to make sure that we are doing all within our power to prevent that ultimate destiny for as many people as we can.
1: Absolutely. So, and um, uh, And how blessed we are knowing again the love of God, the desire that he has done everything for our salvation, that the Holy Spirit is working to bring us into his kingdom, to keep us into his kingdom. But if people continually say no to God, I don't want you as my king. I don't want you as my lord. I don't want to be a part of your life. I don't want to be a part of any your kingdom or anything that you have. In the end, Jesus will say, "Okay, your will be done," mm-hmm. and they will be separated from God from et- for eternity. Uh, that's what hell is called—that uh, place that is outside of God's presence and and in His uh, love yeah. and His love. And that is a um, uh, the Bible describes it uh, as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, mm-hmm. uh, great sorrow and and suffering, and we don 't want that for anyone, yeah, um,
0: I mean I think kind of attaching it back to what we were talking about in the beginning is we we when we no longer um, have that relationship of love with God, what actually happens is he becomes that ultimate worst enemy to us, He becomes the one for which only his all-powerful and all-just nature exists, and no longer is his mercy and love there um, for therefore those who reject um, Jesus Christ, his Son. And so, yeah, that's something we—it's we, a fate worse than death. It's a fate worse than anything we can imagine, and we want to do all in our power, um, not to to go out into the world and scare people into faith, but instead to to share that there is a loving God who wants to have a relationship with all mankind, who wants to show the benefits and the gifts of a a belief in his son. And uh, what a joy it is that we carry this, the mission of God to advance the word of his son Jesus.
1: And so, so how does the truth of this good news of God's love, how does the truth of this gospel provide us with the assurance in God's ultimate control in heaven and
0: on earth? We, we live in a, a world where you could confuse the idea that there's good and there's evil and they are equal foes on either side of a battle. But in reality, we know that it's more like a colony of ants and a bulldozer, right? It's, we know that, that God has won the victory for us. And so this is the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has defeated sin, Satan, and death by his death and resurrection. And that we, by faith in him, might have everlasting life. And so that gives us assurance, hope, gives us uh, a confidence that we can look to the future and not dread the powers of sin, Satan, mm-hmm. and death, and not dread the uncertainties of this world, but yeah. rather look with confidence. When
1: I was growing up, the people used to ask the question, "Can we be sure of our salvation?" And and God wants us to be able to say, "Absolutely, mm-hmm. uh, we can be sure." Not because of anything that we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants us to have that confidence, that assurance uh, in his goodness and grace, in his love, uh, in his promises that uh, will not be broken. And um, he, and that's what we try and encourage our, our people with uh, each Sunday, that uh, these words of God are our truth to God. Um, uh, they become the anchor in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in. They mm-hmm. become the uh, the refuge in which, uh, you know, as, as a storm rages over us, it's that safe place to be. Um, and God is present with us. He is the mighty warrior that... Uh, can has all power and authority who protects us and at the same time demonstrates his great love
0: for us. Yeah. I'm reminded in this discussion about a time when Jesus was um was preaching and and proclaiming to the people and he said something that was hard for people to understand and they began to leave saying who can who can tolerate this kind of stuff. And Jesus looks over at Peter and says are you going to leave too? And Peter says one of the most brilliant things. He says, "Lord, where shall we go?" There's no other place we can go. You alone have the words of eternal life. Eternal life is found in the hope and the, and, the, and the truth and the goodness and confidence of our ultimate destiny is in you alone. Where else is there to go? Where else is there to look? What other place, what other, whatever, what other object can we place our hope and our faith in that will give us any kind of hope or confidence or certainty? And the answer is nowhere, just Jesus. Yeah, Jesus saves, Jesus and, saves. and he is our hope and uh, uh, I love that image of,
1: of, of hope it's like uh, being out on an ocean out in the middle of the ocean and and all of a sudden uh, you find a uh, a boy that's uh, bobbing in the water and and uh, it becomes a safe place you can crawl up on it and uh, it will not sink and and that's what Jesus is he is uh, he is that hope that no one can take away that love that can never separate us from God and uh, it's given to us as a free gift
0: so I suppose if there's one thing we would communicate in all of this discussion on the authority of God and how it's, how it's brought to light in the world, it would be that um, all authority it goes back to the source, which is God. And so we place our confidence and our hope in Him alone. And we live out our lives with, as Christians in accordance to His purposes. And what so, a great place to end. Yeah, that's a uh, great place to end. I we
1: think. end with His hope, with His words of salvation, with His promise of grace and love, and, and, and we rest in that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Amen. What else is there to say, but amen, right?
0: All right, I guess that's everything. We're going to continue with another um, session for Coffee and Clergy once we get back from the break over the new year and the Christmas season. So be on the lookout for that. I think we're going to go back to a book of the Bible. We've got to discuss what exactly we're going to dig into, but um, we kind of have taken this cycle of of doing a a biblical, you know, deep dive and then doing a a topical study as well and kind of going back and forth. We think that produces a good rhythm for, for the year as we these coffee and clergy things. I mean, we, we're glad that you're joining us and uh, following along. I, it gives Pastor Doug and I a lot of confidence to continue in doing these and putting putting our good effort in. That we have people giving us good feedback from them. So, thank you for that. Yeah, thank much. you. Shall we close in prayer? Let's do. Heavenly yeah. Father, we thank you for uh, reminding
1: us that all authority in heaven and on earth has been has been given to you, has been given to Christ, has been given to the Holy Spirit as you do your work in this world, in and through us. We thank you for the two kingdoms that you have established, the the left-handed kingdom, the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of government, as well as the right-handed kingdom, the kingdom of your church. We ask that you continue to work through both of these and work through us as your people as we live in these kingdoms. We are reminded that these kingdoms are meant to be complementary as they work together. And so we ask and we pray uh, that you would continue to work in and through us uh, to bring about your will in this world, both in the left and right-handed kingdom. Guide us as we approach this christmas time uh, work in our hearts and lives and we simply say thank you uh, for all of your good gifts uh, for your love uh, for your promises that uh, keep us connected to you and keep us living in your grace so be with us and we simply say again thank you and amen amen
0: so go in peace as you serve the lord have a great day in the lord we'll see you next time thank you for listening to the coffee and clergy podcast We're glad you could join the conversation. Coffee and Clergy is a ministry of King of Kings Lutheran Church in Chesterfield, Missouri. You can watch it live on YouTube or Facebook Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m. Central, and we post the podcast on Thursdays. For more information, check out our website at www.kokstl.org. Blessings on your day, and we'll see you next time.